This is exactly right. Hi, I'm Erin Welsh. And I'm Erin Almond Updike, and we're the hosts of This Podcast Will Kill You on Exactly Right. We're back with our seventh season, which is bigger and better than ever. Because guess what? We're now a weekly show. This season, we're tackling everything from long COVID to norovirus, from the supplement industry to IVF, and so, so much more. New episodes drop every single Tuesday. Follow This Podcast Will Kill You wherever you get your podcasts. Go to places that that require you to look at yourself. The idea that you would take on your own journey, you would take on your own task of differentiation. Imagine having a child who's struggling, not even at a clinical level, but mildly, who has a parent who says, I need to work on my stuff in this process and I don't know everything. That's such a relief for a child to not be the only one in the family that doesn't know. Welcome to the Parent Footprint Podcast with Dr. Dan. I'm Dr. Dan, your host. And let me tell you about our mission at Parent Footprint. It is to make the world a more loving and compassionate place, one parent and one child at a time. At Parent Footprint, we believe the key to raising happy, healthy, and engaged kids is for us parents to seek the same in our own lives, happiness, health, and engagement. Further and critical... We believe that awareness is the foundation of your vision of successful parenting. And with increased awareness and intention, we can be purposeful about leaving a healthy footprint on our children. Today's show is completely aligned with our mission. Today's show is called How to Be a Heroic Parent with Dr. Brad Reedy. And let me tell you a little bit about Brad. Dr. Brad Reedy is a co-owner and the clinical director of Evoke Therapy Programs, an experientially based therapy program for adolescents, young adults, and families. He was previously, as owner and partner, served as the primary therapist and clinical director and executive director for a program to become the most successful wilderness therapy program in the country. And that is not an easy task, people. He has served on the board of the Utah Department of Child and Family Services, the Board of the National Association of Therapeutic Schools and Programs, and the Engard Arts Board, a New York-based theater company. He's a prolific public speaker and has been invited to deliver keynote addresses at conferences, private events, nationally syndicated radio shows, and universities on experiential therapy, mental health, childhood issues, parenting, and organizational health. He's also the host of the podcast, Evoke Therapy Programs. Brad, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Dr. Dan. Glad to be here. And the one thing I did not say is um, we're also going to be talking about your book, right? Mm -hmm. How to Be a Heroic Parent, of course. So tell us where the idea of heroic parenting came from. Yeah. You know, I think it can be intimidating to to read that title. Um, Where I borrowed it from was the philosopher Joseph Campbell, who made it his life's mission to study myths and religions from all cultures across all time. And he came up with this idea that 
in all of these stories, there was a pattern that he called the hero's journey. Star Wars Mm -hmm. is based on his work. And so the idea of the heroic journey is that we go out searching for something. King Arthur's Knights Search for the Holy Grail. For, for parents of struggling children, you're, you're searching for your children to at least to save their lives, to, to protect them from harm. And what the hero finds is something entirely different. The hero comes back with an experience. Um, oftentimes, they don't get the, the goal that they're searching for. They don't get the grail. Mm-hmm. But what they have is an experience that transformed them. And then they come back and they share that, that transformation, that story with their community. So the heroic journey is a step into yourself, a step you initially go out to, to find something, to find something that's going to save your child from the mental health of the addiction. And what you find in the process is transformation. And that transformation changes your life and, of course, has a dramatic effect on your children and those around you. Yeah, well said. And uh, on this journey, this heroic journey, um, we don't, we often come, like you said, we don't know where we're going. We think we know where we're going. Right. And then we find out that we have been transformed. And I love you mentioning Star Wars because anyone who knows me, my office and our larger office is <laughs> riddled with Star Wars. And we all know that Luke came out of that training with Yoda very different than when he went in. So right. I right. love the metaphor. Um, how, so the, tell us more about how the journey unfolds from your perspective and and the key the key points in this journey for parents to start to become aware of right you know winnicott said that it's the false self that brings the real self into therapy that that when we enter therapy when we go to an al-anon meeting right we people that walk into an al-anon meeting they imagine for the most part that they're going to learn some tools that that that's going to fix the problem specifically their, their alcoholic loved one. And mm-hmm. so we walk into rooms, we walk into therapist's office, we, we crack a book, we listen to your podcast, hoping that we're going to get tools to solve the problem. Um, and so we, we, we walk in with that idea. But what happens, of course, just like with your intro, just like with your entire mission, is we develop an awareness. We develop something about ourselves. Uh, Gandhi said that to love other as other, we have to take on the heroic journey the heroic task of our own differentiation. And that allows us to really love our children. So we, we walk into, as Joseph Campbell says, we walk into the dark forest, not knowing, thinking we're, we're going to find the thing that we're looking for. And we find ourselves, you know, Luke found himself when he had that, that, that one image where he was fighting who he thought was Darth Vader. He thought was his enemy. And he chopped off the head of that, that Darth Vader in his dream and the mask rolled over, and it was Luke. The, the mm-hmm. entire time he was fighting himself. And so these ideas, that they're true in our myths and our stories, but they're also true in our own personal journey, that the real, the real barrier is, is the separation that we have from ourselves, And all of our relationships really are a reflection of the relationship we, we have with, with ourselves. So that's the, the, the journey. I always say the, the heroic journey, no matter the specifics of the story, it's always inward. And that awareness that you describe in your intro is what gives us the ability to parent children that are struggling or, or, or to deal with people that we love that are struggling. Mm-hmm. And, and, and working with um, therapy programs, such as um, the ones that you have been a part of, right. um, w- it's always, you know, kids get to a level of distress of um, whether it's mental health, it's substance abuse, it's anxiety, it's depression, and it gets to a level 
that a child, an adolescent, is needing more intensive therapeutic support right. where the needs are beyond what a, a, a mortal parent can deal with in the home. So we parents, fortunately, have a pro, these programs to go to. And then there's this all this parent work right. that it, I think most parents, in my experience, don't expect that part of the journey. And there's the grappling with the what's their issue, what's our issue, and wait, you mean if I don't make these changes, no matter what my child does there, we can we can slip back, we relapse. So all this is to say, you know, and ask, tell us about the process of the parent focusing on oneself in the health of the child. Sure. Yeah, I think you've outlined very well kind of the, the process and the questions that they ask. I, I call it Trojan horse therapy. Mm-hmm. You know, the gift is we are going to provide a, a wonderful experience for your child. Um, but, but that gift then comes with all of these other tools where you're, you're asked to look at yourself. And I think it's really important. I think why we do it well, what, what we do well is we do it from a place of, of non-blame and non-shame and not simple cause and effect. Um, the idea is that healthy parenting is healthy living. I, I tell parents all the time, the only thing you can do is take 100% responsibility for even 1% of the problem. And, and not only does that impact the child, not only do you evolve and change and develop skills to, to listen and to communicate more, more, uh, more clearly and to, and to set healthier boundaries, and those don't fix the problem, but they, but they fix the relationship. And that tends to have an impact on the child. So we don't say that it's going to be a cure that if you do, if you check off all these boxes, then your child is going to get well. But we, what we do say is that you get to have a different kind of relationship with your child and that relationship has a ripple effect and the child then has to kind of adjust to you in the process. So it's, it's straddling that idea of really immersing the parents in the parent work without implying that they were the cause or they can be the cure. Um, Mm -hmm. I, I say this too, that, that, Every family that I meet, not, not just clinically, but socially, deals with similar issues. It's just that families that don't have a child that's struggling don't get asked the same questions. And so I tell parents, your codependency or relationship issues aren't necessarily unique or especially profound. It's just that the issues that come up for your family require you to look at them, whereas other families don't. And so it's a very non-shaming, very compassionate message to, to, to parents that I think we need, we need to give. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, I think parents are, in my experience, um, parents are surprised with how much they learn about themselves and, and, and grow as well, right? It's, it's like you said, it's this gift that they don't think they're going to get. Right. Yeah. Parents, I, I know the parents that, that rave about our program, uh, they have varying levels of, of outcomes actually with their children. Um, but what they will all say, the ones that really fall in love with it is they'll say, it changed me. It changed Mm -hmm. my relationship with my child, of course, and and their issues, but it changed my relationship with my spouse or my ex-spouse or, or the people that I work with, my own parents, my own siblings, my own friends. And, and that change, you know, that change in a parent is is the thing that we can do the, the thing that we can contribute to that'll have a lasting effect on the child. And, and children change at, at various levels and at various speeds, but the change in the parent changes the entire system. And so, yeah, it's not something they expect, but you know when you hear it because when they check in with you, 
They're not giving you a, a detailed and, and, and diary of their child's progress. They're saying, you know, just the other day, something happened that years ago I would have reacted differently to. And here's how I reacted. And I was very proud of myself. And, mm-hmm. and to hear that, it, it's all worth it. That's when mm-hmm. I have a lot of joy because then I know I've made a, a lasting impact on a family. Absolutely. Um, you talk about these two significant culprits, uh, shame and guilt. Um, I think there probably are very few human beings who have not experienced those feelings um, and also um, consciously or unconsciously given those, produced those feelings (laughs) with our kids. Tell us, tell us about these, these elephants and, and how you view them in the parenting relationship. Yeah, I I, th- I think a lot of people are pretty clear that shame is is mostly toxic, right? That it that it prevents us from awareness that we tend to hide and retreat, and that many of our our, our mental health symptoms or our substance abuse issues are to medicate shame. I think most people see that. What I also tell teach is that guilt is just as toxic. That you know, I ask parents all the time. They'll say to me, "I knew what to do and I didn't do it," and I'll say, "Why?" And they said, "Well, I feel guilty," and so. What, what what I try to teach is that guilt gets in the way of doing what's right just as often. In fact, you have to learn to feel guilty to do the right thing. Most of us are wired to believe that if we're if we hurt somebody, right, that that, that we're, we're we're wired to to feel guilty about that. That was our training growing up because when our parents were upset, we were supposed to feel bad. So we have to un, we have to untangle that that idea of guilt being our moral north star, and we have to realize that. I was just talking to a client just this morning and this client was doing a lot of work. This parent was doing a lot of work trying to grapple with guilt because their, their efforts at self-care, healthy self-care um, were, were met with intense feelings of guilt. And I don't think we talk about that enough in, in mental health treatment. We, we talk about guilt as if it's your conscience telling you what's right and wrong, but guilt just as often tells you to do the wrong thing as it does the right thing. And I think that we have to find another motivation besides guilt. And I think it's love mm-hmm. and empathy and compassion, but I think we have to untangle it and, and kind of debunk the myth that guilt can be equated with morality. Mm-hmm. And so I know this is this is a, t- a tough question. I'm just interested in your thinking on this for our audience is, you know, most of us were raised with various degrees of guilt and shame. Sure. Um, again, part of the tools consciously mm-hmm. and unconsciously by parents. How do you, what do you tell parents in terms of how to be aware of and change this pattern that many of them experience themselves? It's a great question. Uh, you know, the, the, the first thing I say is the way to, uh, my experience of teaching morality to children is to teach children how to feel because mm-hmm. when children learn how to feel, they recognize feelings in others. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think that's the foundation of moral development is when children learn how to feel to be a, I, I say it when children learn how to be a person, then they recognize the person or the self and others, and they tend to be sensitive and respond to it compassionately. The second thing that I'll say is w- whatever comes up for you, um, your frustration, your, your agitation, your impatience, your, your worry, your anxiety with your children, those are natural and, and, and deserved and, and valid. But you have to take care of those somewhere else with your sponsor, with your therapist, with a, with a friend that you trust, so that when you come back with a child, that interaction and in parenting doesn't serve to alleviate your anxiety or fear 
or sadness or frustration or anger, but it serves to support the child. And so much parenting is we tell our children how we feel. I'm frustrated. I'm sad. I'm upset. I'm worried about your drug use. And it is if to say to the child, stop doing drugs so dad's not scared or mom's not worried. Stop doing this or that. Stop cutting on yourself so we're not worried. Stop doing poorly in school so I'm not frustrated. So the child learns from an early age that what other people feel about them is, is about them and that that's how they, they learn to, to see themselves is if somebody else is upset. And the problem with that is then they go out into the world and become very vulnerable to peer pressure. And then we ask ourselves, where's all this peer pressure coming from? And it started with us. So the long-winded answer to the question is we have to take care of our feelings somewhere else, not in the relationship with the child. Otherwise, the child is inclined to take them on and to feel responsible for them. And that's not a, that's not a great way to grow up and develop as a person. Mm-hmm. And, and you just nicely uh, transitioned into another one of your points, which is you talk about um, the importance of parents filtering their feelings around their kids. Right. You know, I, 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 I get in trouble for this one. <laughs> but I often say I'm almost at the point, and I, I underline almost, that I ask parents not to share their feelings with their children. I, I don't mean that literally. Mm-hmm. But, but my emphasis is it's because most of us tell our children how we feel with the implication that they're supposed to take care of it. And especially with children that are struggling with mental health issues or addiction, to be responsible for a loving parent's feelings on top of whatever else they're struggling with is crushing to them. And so mm-hmm. mental health issues and the substance abuse disorder absolutely are, are going to affect a loving parent. But if you just unload that onto the child and, and you call it love, that's the worst part of it is we call it love when we unload that onto the child. We, we say, I care so much about you. Of course, this hurts me. Then the child, the, the, the child's experience is compounded. They're they're dealing with depression and anxiety and and whatever else they're dealing with. But now they're dealing with the fact that they're hurting the person that loves them the most on the planet. And so they must be a bad human being. So again, that idea of of taking care of it somewhere else is the key. And let it inform you. It, It ought to inform us, but it ought to not be what drives us. It ought to not be what we what we give to our children as motivation for them to change. Because we want our children to be healthy and better for them, not so that we're happy. Right, exactly. And that's the focusing on ourselves, dif- differentiating. Right. Um, so I want to I want to ask for clarification here about feelings, because I know you sure. said, you know, all, share almost none of their yeah. feelings. What, what are the parts, what, as it relates to modeling moral development, modeling, you know, humanity, modeling, let's say, anti-perfectionistic, you know, right. thinking and feeling, what are the things that you think are, are there topics or content areas that you think are um, helpful for raising a child when parents share about their own experiences? Yeah, you know, it's that's a really good question, and it's 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 difficult to kind of give a, a generic answer. I will tell you this: years ago, I, I shared with my adult children some sadness about the fact that they weren't going to be home for the holidays because they're adults now and they had other loved ones and other people to deal with, and. Mm-hmm. I said it because it was affecting our interaction the evening we were having together. And I was just feeling sad and grief about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and immediately my adult daughter said, never mind, we'll cancel our plans and we'll come here. Um, and I, 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 I jokingly said, you're not invited anymore. <laughs> and I, I was teasing her, but, but really I was saying, you don't have to take care of my feelings. Right. I was just owning them. So 
we can we can share our feelings to own them. I think that's really important to say it's mine. You don't have to do anything. And I front loaded it very very specifically with her, but it was almost impossible for her not to take it on. Um, so I think we just have to have an awareness about the space that we occupy in child inside of our child's head and in, inside of their psyche. It's difficult for them not to take it on. So I, I think the range of things we can talk about is pretty broad. I, I'm a big on self disclosure with with children and parents, mm-hmm. but we have to own it. And we also have to recognize and be sensitive to the fact that people will take it on, even if we own it. And just being aware of that and discussing that can be a part of the, 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 the relationship evolution. So that's my yeah. thought about it. Yeah. It's a nuanced question that can't generically be answered, but being aware of these ideas helps us to kind of navigate the, the water, so to speak. Yeah. And I think you just captured it. Um, as you were talking, I was thinking, you, one needs to be aware. And then, of course, you said that. So it, it's really, it's not a generic answer. It's for all of us to be aware of what we are uh, putting out there. Right. And like you said, owning it and thinking about, is this me? How will this impact my child? What's sure. my intention here? Because again, right. especially people who are raised by parents who are really good at guilt, you don't even know you are guilting your kids unless yes. you really become aware of this as something that you need to really focus on. That, that intention word that you just used, that, that's the key. You know, that, mm-hmm. That's what I really mean by I'm almost at the point where I ask parents not to share is, is what's the intention? I had a mother at a meeting one time in New York City. We, we run parent meetings all over the country. And one mother said, is it okay to share with my child how much I've spent on their mental health treatment? <laughs> and I paused for a moment and the mother behind her without skipping a beat saying, why would you tell them that? And I didn't need to say anything. And the mother in the front row behind in front of her said, I get it. You're right. Yeah. I wanted yeah. To, to, to kind of imply this obligation they had to me and to the family, this response, but this guilt really. And so knowing your intention is not something that happens immediately. But like you say in, in your mission, that that awareness of what are we saying and what do we really mean? That's that's the lifelong journey, isn't mm-hmm. it? So in terms of parenting, and uh, it's quite a journey, and I think most of us don't know what we're embarking on, and I think um, evolution has done that to us on purpose, so we keep mm-hmm. having children. <laughs> um, what What are the most common mistakes that you see, that you've experienced over the years, parents making with their children? Yeah. And, and, and I even say, like, I hesitate to even say mistakes, but because that's, that is kind of blaming, but there are mistakes we make. We have to sure, admit sure. that. Yeah. I, I, I tend to lean into that idea that we do, we all dent our children. And, and I don't say that from a place of, of shame. Right. In fact, my ability to say that has increased as my shame and guilt has decreased over my lifetime. So I'm okay with mistakes and dents. I think that's part of being a healthy self is to, to kind of own that. The, the, the first thing I think that we do is, is we put our feelings on our children. Um, like I said, I think that that's something that we, uh, we, we make them responsible for, for our feelings. Um, I, I think another thing that we do is we think we imagine to ourselves that we can be, um, th- that the ideal is to, 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 to not live our own lives, to not take care of ourselves, mm-hmm. um, to say to a child, you mean everything to me, I would do anything for you. And I think that again, places so much burden. There's research that says that that kind of over-involved language or over-dedicated language, if you will, it sounds nurturing 
on the surface, but it, it activates the same parts of the brain as threatening behaviors, mm. right? It's, it's overwhelming to the child. So we, we have to live our own life. We have to take responsibility for our own feelings. Make, like they say in Al-Anon, we have to make our peace and serenity our responsibility. Um, and I think the, the, we, we, we equate, this is, this is so common in our culture. We equate anxious attachment with too much love. There's this euphemism that says, well, I just love my children too much. That's where we, we talk about helicopter parenting coming from is loving too much. That it's, it's not possible to love too much. It's not possible to be too healthy. For example, um, by definition, love is, is, is pure and wonderful and giving and capable and differentiated. So mm-hmm. I, I think maybe the biggest mistake I see in our culture today is that we mistakenly equate anxious attachment with too much love. And, and love includes healthy detachment. In mm-hmm. fact, healthy detachment and healthy attachment are synonymous. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one of the biggest mistakes that we make in our culture is to, to equate those two things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this idea of um, how do we connect and attach in a way that's healthy, and and that and that's that's a that's a balancing act that, that sure. takes time and intention and um, um, trial and error. Absolutely. Um, so we have we the collective we we have a big problem with our youth um, experiencing epidemic proportions of anxiety, depression, um, harming themselves, and, and worst, and the ultimate devastation taking their own lives. Right. You see a lot of this and have in your work over the years, um, especially in the intensive therapeutic treatment settings. What do you see as causes for all of the, the, these increases in this intensity? You know, I think there are a lot of factors uh, that, that are out there. I, I think it's a social learning is impacting our youth today with the exposure mm-hmm. to, to other stories and social media. Um, I think there's a lot of expectations and judgments that come with the kind of media exposure that children have. Because I've made my life's mission to work with families and, and, and parents, like I say, I focus on that that thing that we as parents can control, That that idea of taking 100% responsibility for 1% of the problem. So I, I talk about parents managing their own anxiety. I talk about parents, you know, that, that I think most people are, are coming to understand that resonating with children, seeing children contributes to their resilience, right? And I think that idea is, is not a new one, but the capacity that it takes to see a child that's struggling to see a child that's doing something that we would think is irrational or stupid, to, to, to understand it instead of modify the behavior. In my chapter on behavioral work, I talk about before we try to change a behavior, we would be wise to spend some time understanding what that behavior is telling us. So that ability to resonate with a child, to sit with a child is gold, right? It's everything. And it doesn't just come easily. It doesn't come automatic to all of us because we weren't modeled it ourselves. We didn't mm-hmm. know what it was like to be in, to sit with an empathic other mm-hmm. growing up because our parents didn't own their feelings. They leaked their feelings out on us all the time. So I, I think there's so many factors that are contributing to those, those issues that you described, those horrific issues that you described. But the only thing that we can do is show up to the child 
in the child's life in a way that, that we see them, that we resonate with them, and we, we provide them an, an internal copy of us. They walk around with an internal copy of us that says, I am okay. And when you, when you escape childhood with a sense that you're okay, mm-hmm. you can go through some pretty difficult and tough things. When you, when you escape, when you get out of childhood believing, I'm not okay, you become very fragile and susceptible to other messages. In my book, I say that our inner voice is not what our, cho- what our parents say to us, but it's what our parents think and feel about us. And that's a mm-hmm. deeper level of work than just the mm-hmm. messages and the overt lectures and teaching that they give to us. So yeah. I think, I think yeah. that resonance and the capacity that it requires is the, the, the thing that we can do to mitigate against all of those other uh, the forces and impacts on our children. So I was going to ask you the parent footprint moment question, but I have one more before that, which okay. um, I really would love your uh, wisdom on. And that is, and I think you just started to go there, is what are the things that parents can do to reduce or protect their kids from anxiety and stress, right? The, the, and, and learn to cope. Right. I know this is going to be simple and, and, and won't, but but it's but it's a, it's a big deal. Is go to therapy or go to an Al-Anon meeting or a CODA meeting, even if you don't have a child who who you would identify or they would identify as an addict. Go to places that that require you to look at yourself. Um, you, you know the, the idea that that the idea that you would take on your own journey, you would take on the own ta- your own task of differentiation. Imagine having a child who's struggling, not even at a clinical level, but mildly who has a parent who says, I need to work on my stuff. I need to look at my crap in this process, and mm-hmm. I don't know everything. That's such a relief for a child to not be the only one in the family that doesn't know, right, that's getting it wrong. Mm-hmm. So leaning into that, that, that piece of your own work and, and, and making that a project, stop the project of, from fixing the child to, to, to the project of change it to fixing yourself, relieves so much pressure from the child. And the walls come down because if you come at, if you come at a child trying to attack their walls, their, their defenses, their symptoms that they've put up there to protect themselves, they're, they're going to only be left to want to reinforce those. So the best way to, to, to lower the walls in our children is to lower our own walls. And so we've got to lean into our own work and whatever medium works for us. That's awesome. That's awesome. Not the expected response, everyone, right? Hey, wait, how do we help our kids? Oh, we focus on growing ourselves. Right, right, <laughs> it's, right. it's, it's like a two for one, right? We yeah. grow and it helps them. Awesome. Absolutely. Awesome. All right, Brad, now it is time for the parent footprint moment question. Okay, here we go. Tell us about a time when you became aware of yourself as an individual or as a parent and that new awareness had a positive impact on your child. You know, I, I've thought about this question a lot, and, and so many experiences came to mind. Um, but I want to go to one of the earliest ones with with me as a child. I was one of the children that I now treat. And when I was struggling as, a, as an adolescent, and I was sent to therapy, because that's what we do with kids that are struggling, is we send them to therapy. Mm-hmm. My therapist had the wisdom to call my mother in. And I remember the session. You know, this is 30, 30 years, 40 years ago almost. Um, and I'm sitting in session with my therapist and he said, tell your mother all the things you're angry about. And I didn't filter it. I just told her all the things I was angry about, about the divorce, about the men she had dated, about working too much, about shutting herself off, about, 
the way she would yell, whatever it was. It doesn't matter what it was. She wasn't particularly horrible. She was better than some and worse than others. And um, the therapist made her listen. And what's amazing is my mom brought me back the next week and did the same thing. Hmm. That was the moment when it's, and it's, it's, it's reverberated throughout my life now as a parent of four mm. and a therapist for, for children and parents that developing a capacity, my mother's capacity to listen to my hurt, my anger, um, my feelings, to tolerate it, um, and then be willing to, to go back and do it again has made all the difference in the world. She wasn't perfect, but it's made all the difference in the world as a son, as, as a young person, mm-hmm. and as a parent, I've always remembered that lesson that the more I can listen to my children, their, their hurt, their grievances, the more I can hear how I've impacted them, um, the safer it is for them. The, the, more, the more they get seen in the process and the less they need symptoms to express themselves in their pain and their hurt. That's, that's a powerful story. And it's so, I mean, I could see just from what you've talked about in your work, how that moment has guided mm-hmm. so much of what you've become and what you do. I mean, you 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 recently just said um, for parents to just show up and see them so that they know they're okay. I mean, so you had the beginning of that process. You experienced that yourself, right? right. Awesome. Thank you for sharing that and your wisdom. Tell. Tell everyone where they can find your book and find your podcast and all of the wonderful things you're doing. Sure, sure. Uh, EvokeTherapyPrograms.com is our program, our experiential program for adolescents, young adults, and their families. My book, The Journey of the Heroic Parent, is available on Amazon. And then my podcast is called Evoke Therapy Programs with Dr. Brad Reedy. So those There's are all the There's a theme there. There's a theme tying through all of that. I love it. Yeah. Okay. Um, I want to just highlight a few points before we close today. Um, Quotes from Brad. Healthy parenting is healthy living. When children learn how to be a person, they see the person in others. Children who learn how to feel can be compassionate of the feelings in others. And this one I know taken from the recovery community, which we can't hear enough, is make our peace and serenity our responsibility. And uh, these are just words of wisdom for us all to take in, know we don't have to be perfect, and for us all to continue on our own heroic journey. Brad, thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Dr. Dan. All right, everyone, you know where to find us, www.parentfootprint.com. You can find all of our podcasts on all of the places. Definitely subscribe to us. Let others know what we're doing. You also can find our Parent Footprint Awareness Training, which is designed to help you become purposeful and intentional about your heroic parenting journey. And as always, try to be the person you want your child to become and ask yourself this guiding question. What footprint do you want to leave?